You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 40 called Targeted Learning, a standards-based grading tool that all teachers must have. In this episode, we'll unveil our very own learning progression model called Targeted Learning. This tool allows teachers to easily blend standards-based grading with choice boards and ed tech, all resulting in increased learning in a more student-centered classroom environment. Check it out. We are back with episode 40. This will be our last episode of the summer. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's been a great summer, but I'm really excited to get back and sort of start up school time again, get thinking, get those creative juices flowing, use some of the ideas that we've learned about and talked about over the summer. And I'm extra excited, not only because it's episode four zero, we get to start a whole new set of numbers here. Also because in this episode, maybe for the first time, definitely the first time in a while, we get to bring something to the table for our listeners that is completely and totally new. Nobody's ever heard about it before because it's created and developed by yours truly, the Got Tech team. So I think this is going to be a, a good one, guys. Uh, that's the first time that you've ever uh, called us a team. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. So I guess uh, Nick and I are getting closer. Our relationship is developing here. <laughs> you got usually it. we pit against each other, but today we are a team. And today we're going to talk a little bit about standards-based learning. And uh, we recently were sitting with some elementary school teachers that have recently gone to the standards-based learning approach uh, for everything. So they don't have marking periods. They have these standards that are kind of continuously being rolled along throughout the year. And the students have to meet those standards before they go on to the next grade. Yeah, it's it's stressful for uh, the teachers that are doing this because it's such a big switch. Um, if your school is in the process of going to a standards-based grading model, you know how different it is. If you're not going there, I have a feeling that education as a whole is going to be shifting more towards this as time goes on. So I think we're all going to be there. And I know at our school, because the elementary teachers are, are doing this, it's probably going to come my way at the high school as well. So I think it's something that I know I for sure want to get more used to. And just in talking to some of these teachers that have been trying to get used to the standards-based model, uh, we realized that they needed some help. They needed some support in this process. In particular, just trying to figure out how traditional grading, when I say traditional grading, I mean like A, B, C, D, or just you get a percentage for like your math grade. You get a 92 this marking period in math. How does that kind of help prepare our students for real world experiences? Yeah, so at the high school, we have been teaching uh, students to go for real-world experiences. We've directed them that way. We've created these activities where they're doing collaborative learning projects. They're working through different pieces of technology. They're creating solutions. We've done all this. The only thing that's different here is is the fact that the grading piece is a little different. The roles in the classroom is a little different. And the way that the classroom's 
look can be a little different. So don't think that just because you teach in a traditional like A, B, C, D, F uh, grade system that you have to stay 100% traditional. There are ways to bring standards-based grading and learning into your classroom through projects. So that's a little bit of a misnomer, all right? So standards-based grading basically is just a collection of standards that needs to be met before students progress to the next level or the next grade, okay? And everything's based on the standards, okay? We're no longer taking the student, giving him a percentage, and then comparing him or her to other members of the class to see how he's he or she is doing, what we are doing is we're taking the previous version of that self, getting that baseline data, and then comparing it to a later version of that person and seeing how much they progress. Right. I think a good way to understand a standards-based grading style is to just put it side by side. And you can do a quick Google and find tons of, probably an image search is the best way. But one thing that I always bring up is just compare it to, like I just said, if you think about traditionally, you would get a grade in math. So you get, I don't know, like I said before, 92%. That's your math grade. That 92% doesn't really tell you a whole lot. It doesn't tell that student a whole lot about what they did because that 90 or 92% came from a ton of different skills and tests and quizzes and worksheets. So in the standards-based style, instead of just saying you get a 95 at the end of marking period one, there's a whole list of standards within your math let's call it a grade or a math report card, let's say, but you don't get one single grade for math. There's each individual standard has its own, basically a score associated with it. And instead of doing like an A, B, C, D, we go with like a proficient, advanced, proficient, uh, needs improvement kind of a label. So within just your math score or your math report card, there might be 10 different standards listed and you get pretty much a, a score, a rating on each of those individually. So you can actually see what you did well, where you've improved and areas where you still need to improve. It's supposed to be a lot more student-centered and really focusing on what should be important for our students, and that is uh, learning and advancing. I I don't know why I just thought of this, but I'm going to say it anyway, because that's normally what I do. But as a little kid, for every A that I got, and this was the whole way up through high school, for every A that I got, I got a dollar. If I got straight A's, I think I got like 20 bucks. All right, little incentive from the parents. Imagine now with a standards-based uh, grading report card, I'm getting proficient or advanced proficient. I could be making a lot of money. This could be a business for for some of our elementary school students. That's a, gr- that's a great point, yeah, because if you got that dollar for every single standard that you got a three or a four, meaning you're proficient or advanced proficient, that'd be, be a good business. This is, could be very beneficial for any of our uh, student listeners out there. All right. So let's get back to it. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, we talked a little bit about the grading. Let's talk a little bit about the roles. So the teacher role and the student role in a traditional, and Nick, why don't you take the traditional and I'll take the uh, uh, standards based. Sure. I, you kind of gave me the easier one, which I'll definitely take. That's, I mean, traditional, it just, the student walks in, sits there and listens to the teacher or does some kind of activity. Um, but then after that, there's just got like a set amount of time, right? Where, okay, this week class, we're learning this thing. And on Friday, we have a quiz on that thing. And there may be lots of really great experiences happening before that quiz to kind of support students and help them out. But once that quiz day hits, once that set amount of time is over with, that topic is finished. And wherever the students are at that point, that's kind of the end of it. And if you still needed help or if you didn't get enough time or support and you didn't do so well on that quiz, pretty much the class is is moving on and you got a an 86 on that quiz and 
that's it. Time is up for you because we got to kind of march through onto our next topic. And this is, of course, it's called traditional because this is the school environment that most of us kind of grew up in and are used to and probably what you think uh, how school is. But we're sort of starting to shift that, of course, with standards based. So guys, how would that change in a standards environment? All right. So through that, you kind of described in a traditional classroom, the teacher's role is to teach. They're the director. They're the sage on the stage. All right. They have the information they're giving it to the students. With standards-based grading, that can happen, but usually it's more shifted towards the learner's needs and it it becomes more personalized and it becomes more student-centered. So really that student is taking control of their learning. They might get a little bit of direction, but for the most part, they're going to take control of their learning and they're going to try to progress to meet certain standards. Now, this can be tricky because sometimes the teachers have to take time to explain those standards and, and kind of model for them how to get from the... You know, they, they want to move towards proficient or advanced proficient from whatever term that you say is at the beginning, whether this is baseline, whether it's unsatisfactory for that standard, we want to get there. So in the traditional, the teachers, the sage on the stage, on the uh, standards-based grading, they tend to take a back seat a little bit and become the facilita- facilitator, the curator. They have several roles there. Uh, the students, they're going to take control of their learning. They're not going to be passive. They're going to be active in their learning. So as far as the roles there, that's kind of the the differences between the two. But let's go straight in. And we talked grading already, A, B, C, D, F versus just um, getting a three or a four. You know, that's what we want to shoot for. But let's go to the classroom real quick. Classrooms look different. In that traditional classroom, we have rows of desks or six desks in a bunch or something like that. All right. You're starting to see in these standards-based and collaborative classrooms a more collaborative layout, whether it's flexible uh, seating is what they call it, where some people have couches in their classroom. There's different size tables, different size chairs, just a more comfortable environment that allows students to collaborate and move around a lot. And that's uh, very important in the in the standards-based and student-centered classroom. Right. So here, um, imagine this, kind of why we need this sort of change in classroom environment. Let's say we're an elementary, I'll keep going with math here, elementary math teacher, and there's one of the standards that I'm supposed to teach, let's just say, is uh, if uh, from the student perspective, it might be something like I can find the product of a two-digit number. So we're multiplying two-digit numbers. That's what we want their students to know. That's the standard. So the whole progression start to finish in this new classroom environment is the students learn the new skill, just like they always have whatever method that that's going to be, whether the teacher's up there talking or a video or whatever else. But the difference with standards-based grading is they learn that new skill, then they get to practice the skill. As they practice the the skill, they're making mistakes, they're getting time to analyze and fix those mistakes themselves. Once they feel like they get it, they get to take a quiz on that skill, a formative assessment that doesn't probably count for anything at all. They're just doing it to kind of see where they are. And that's the kind of, you have to show your students how to work through this new process because they're used to a quiz being the end. Well, quiz is just kind of what you do along the way to see what you still need to improve on. So you take the quiz, you make more mistakes, you ask for help, you keep analyzing and fixing 
making mistakes and kind of like this loop. And you can re-quiz yourself and do these formative tests as many times as you need until at the very end, once the student is sure that they've mastered it or they feel like they have, they can finally do something to demonstrate that mastery, some kind of end product. So we need this sort of different classroom environment to support this where different students are doing different things. They're at different points. Some master that particular standard really quick and they move on to the next one and you've got to be ready for that. Others may spend more time in that sort of feedback loop of testing themselves and fixing their mistakes before they demonstrate mastery. So it's just a totally different environment. But the best part about it is much more student-centered. And I think the learning happens at a much uh, deeper, deeper level here. All right. So that is pretty much the summary of standards-based learning. Nick, do you have anything that you wanted to add there? No, only that we think that we have a pretty exciting solution for teachers here. Uh, So stay tuned in the next couple segments where we can explain our creative new solution for teachers trying to implement standards-based grading in an effective way, because I think we've got a great tool for you guys. You can follow Got Teched outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTeched. So we've been teasing this new tool that we've developed for teachers that are trying to implement a standards-based grading style in their classrooms. And finally, we're going to sort of wrap up the whole episode in one big giant segment that is jam-packed with ed tech and ideas to incorporate with this new style. It's called targeted learning, and I think it's probably one of the most helpful things that we've come up with so far. It's pretty new. I've only used it myself a couple times in my own classroom, but I've seen some pretty exciting things happen with it, and I'm really excited to share it today. Really quickly, though, before we get into targeted learning, pretty much what we're about to walk through is a progression that would happen in a standards-based classroom and one way that you might incorporate this progression through a choice board. So we're going to be talking a lot about choice boards and I just want to make sure that everybody listening is familiar with those first. It's really nothing fancy. It's just a grid. Uh, Imagine a bingo board or a tic-tac-toe board. They can be paper. They can be digital. The whole idea is each square on the grid has a different option that a student can do. You might ask them to do one horizontal row or, or one column or they have to go diagonal to do some different things but really it just gives students choice in how they practice and how they learn it promotes all sorts of great things like differentiation student ownership over their learning because they're choosing what they can do really really great things these choice boards check them out if you haven't yet we think that we've come up with a spin on the choice board that also ties in everything we've been talking about this whole episode involving standards-based grading and sort of how to bring that all together and that's kind of where the targeted learning begins So I'm going to actually let Geis explain this. It's more his brainchild than mine. I've been helping develop it, but really he kind of came up with this. We were working on something totally different a few months back and it just sort of popped into his brain. So he's probably the guy to walk everybody through targeted learning. So Geis, why don't you start to sort of describe this whole progression? Yeah. So I I don't know what we were doing when when we kind of came up with this. He keeps giving me the credit for it. But so let's, let's take a look at a traditional classroom real quick. We we have a progression that we get into or a pattern that we get into pretty much every day. Students come in, they do some type of intro activity, question of the day, do now, whatever. You go and you do the the meat of the lesson and then at the end there's a concluding activity like an exit slip or a walk out the door. So that's the progression for a traditional. But when you look at standards-based learning, that progression doesn't carry over because a traditional lesson may last one day where a standards-based learning lesson could last a week 
but cover a variety of different standards. And also another thing is it's it's usually at the student's pace because it's more student-centered or personalized. So I wanted to come up with a progression that fits in the standards-based learning model. And we use the choice board to house this progression. But really, it's research, it's um, formative assessment, summative assessment, and then based on how they did with that summative assessment, they reached that target goal. I think it's important to stress because I think that might be the best way I've we've ever described this is that the choice board is housing this standards-based progression through these stages of research, formative assessment, and then finally at the very end, sort of that uh, mastery demonstration of the summative. I just wanted to hit on that again because that was nice. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, one of the things that we use to kind of represent targeted learning is a target or a bullseye. We have several rings and then at the middle we have this bullseye which is our target and that's where we want to get to. So we start on an outer ring and before I get into the outer ring, I'm a teacher that likes to have a baseline data uh, collection for each one of my students. So I might give them a traditional final that I've used many years back that covers the whole year and just see what they know. Maybe it's 50 multiple choice questions. It doesn't have to be something that takes two weeks to grade, all right? Put it on a Scantron, it's fine. It's just for baseline data. And you wanna see where each student is. And maybe before you um, collect all this data, you, you know which question goes with which standard. So it's just a baseline data set. And I do that at the beginning of the year. Some teachers like to do that at the beginning of each teaching topic. But if you're doing a standards-based grading through and through, you're not doing traditional at all. I don't see how that fits in other than at the beginning. So that is something that I want to do. I want to get a baseline data set however you want to do it. It doesn't matter. But our first ring as we're going into the bullseye is research. Research to me is giving uh, the students resources to collect data um, or collect knowledge on a topic or a standard. So we need to give them the tools to be able to m progress to the next stage, which is seeing how much they know and through formative assessment. So really we're talking about the target, this idea of a target, which is just a, a visual aid almost for the whole process. At the center of the target is the standard, the one particular standard that we want our students to master. And you're just like you do if you were to, you know, any target represents, you're sort of working inwards towards that bullseye, that bullseye being the standard that we want the students to learn. And that outer ring, of course, is the all important research phase, gathering knowledge, giving students, and that's where the choice board really comes in, giving them different options for how to gather knowledge. Because of course, as we know, not all students learn the same way. And of course, we think that technology can play a really big role here when it comes to this research phase, especially if you're trying to give students different options for how to access this new information related to the standard. So we just kind of threw together some things, some different options that teachers could use when they're building that research phase of their targeted learning. And probably the simplest one is just a video, of course. If you've got your own maybe screencast that you've put together explaining a different topic you could make one of the grids on your targeted learning choice board simply watch this video maybe offer some guided notes for those students that need it or how about a thing link thing link we one of our favorite tools it applies in so many different areas find an image annotate that image with different things that the students can click on to learn whatever they need to learn an ed puzzle a wakelet maybe you've curated some different resources on a wakelet board and you just put the link for that and you have your students kind of work through whatever you put together on the wakelet board.
whiteboard. Uh, one of my favorites that I'm just starting to get more into, Insert Learning, where you actually take a web page and it lets you embed additional content and your own questions and, and your own information on a existing web page. What an awesome way to have your students research and gather information. And uh, of course, uh, Test Teach, T-E-S, Teach, another one of our favorites where you sort of, sort of curate these resources together and have your students work through them. Pretty much any way you currently use now to deliver information to your students becomes the options that you can provide them during this outer ring of the target on their way to achieving and demonstrating the uh, the mastery for that that standard that you're trying to to get them to learn. And I, I just can't stress enough the importance of the options here and, and I think how the technology can open up these different options for the students. Yeah, all, all great pieces of technology that you incorporated into the research phase. Let's go into the second ring, which is the formative assessment. We have to mention this. One of the biggest things that allow student-centered learning, standards-based learning, personalized learning, uh, problem-based learning, project-based learning, all these collaborative learning styles to happen is the fact that you need feedback that is instant or near instant. So that is super important. And we have a list of ed tech tools that are amazing for doing this. So just to recap the formative assessment, this could be little quizzes online. This could be a reflection piece using Google Docs or something like that. And Nick's going to get into some of the specifics of ways to provide feedback and also platforms for formative assessment. Yeah, and I think you touched on something there, which I want to hit on again, too. It's important to realize that while we are starting in the outer ring and sort of working inwards towards that bullseye, the standard, there's a lot of bouncing back and forth that can happen between the outer ring, the research ring, and that and the second ring in the formative ring. Because, of course, you know, let's say you require your students to choose one of the options for research and one of the, one of the students chooses, well, I'm going to watch the YouTube video. I think it's going to be the fastest and easiest. They watch it. Okay. I get it. They move into the second phase, the formative assessment, uh, where there's still multiple options there. Side note, we didn't get into that too much, but they choose to say, complete a Google Forms quiz. And that Google Forms quiz has been created by you to sort of let the students know where they, which ones, which questions they got right, which ones they got wrong. And they do terrible. Out of 10 questions, they only got two of them right. Oh my God, I don't understand. This is so hard. What am I going to do? What you do is you analyze. And this is where you have to sort of teach your students about the process. You say, okay, look at those ones you got wrong make a mental note of it, go back to that outer ring, go back to that research phase. All you did is look at that one YouTube video. You got some stuff out of it. You didn't get everything. So go pick something else. Check out the, you know, the website link with the insert learning uh, additions and see if that fills in any gaps for you. Then you go move forward again into the formative assessment a second time, a third time. They can do this as often as they want, choosing different options every single time. And that's where the choice board comes in. Um, and I think it's just the options there really helps to illuminate this whole process, especially for your kids, because they'll see, oh, I don't have one shot at this. I can do this as many times as I need. And uh, it, it just kind of really, like I keep saying, it emphasizes the importance of what should be most important in the classroom. And that's just learning the skills. So just like always, we think that technology can play a really big role here, especially when it comes to giving students different options. I already recommended, this is my favorite one, a Google Forms, just because a Google Forms has a quiz feature. It's not just about like a general survey. If you don't know, they have a quiz feature. And if you select their quiz feature, it 
scores their responses as long as it's multiple choice. You can do it with um, if they're typing answers as well, but their answers have to, you have to set it so that their answers like match the exact correct answer in a certain way. And you can play around with those adjustments. But the Google Forms will tell the students instantaneously what they got wrong, what they got right, and even give specific feedback based on wrong or right answers. And you could also add another resource if they do get it wrong. You could add another resource in there for them to go check out to kind of reinforce or help them, you know, clear up that misunderstanding, which is also another great feature with Google Forms. Yeah, that's that's important to clarify. So that's kind of my favorite one. And, and I've seen my students use it. They like it. They know it because of how fast it is. This also opens the door to all the gamification tools that we talk about. Quizzes, Kahoot. Everybody knows Kahoot. GimKit's the really big one right now. We've mentioned it a couple times. Check it out. The students love GimKit, created by students for students. So cool. Any of these things that gamify your classroom, ask questions. Now the students can play those games, but they're quizzing themselves in the process. All right, so we talked a couple of formative assessments that you can give through quizzes, Kahoot, and GimKit. Let's talk about the feedback, and this is something that is near and dear to my heart that I believe in. Let's talk about more feedback other than Google Forms. Are there any extensions out there that we can get people to look at that's going to help them grade the grade the formative assessments that are not multiple choice questions, that might not be so instantaneous, but can be relatively quick and easy to do? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a bunch of options out there. One of my favorites, and I know you've got one that you like a little bit more, but that's Checkmark. Checkmark makes for really super easy grading when students are submitting written work. So this would be something that you, like you said, you can't do a multiple choice. So maybe the students submit like a little paragraph, right? And you still want to give them this really fast feedback, but now you've got 24 different paragraphs to read and you're trying to push out these, you know, responses and let the students know where they're uh, understanding and where they're not. Tools like Checkmark, it's an, a Chrome extension that sort of pops up this little window when you highlight in the Google Doc and it has, it's really just canned comments and it has some built in, but you can create your own canned comments as well. So, you know, there's certain things you're probably going to see over and over and over from your students, common mistakes. You can make that a canned comment. So all you do is highlight their text one click and it automatically drops your canned comment in there for the students to see. They can see those comments that you've made and resolve them just like they would do with any other Google Doc. All right. So one great thing about Checkmark is that it's free. I have I have an extension that I like even more. Okay, and this is relatively new, but it is phenomenal, and it's called eComments. And eComments sets up the same way as Checkmark, but there are some differences, some enhancements. Um, first of all, the collections of canned comments that are in eComments are amazing. There's a professional writing, there's a persuasive article canned comment section. There's several different canned comment sections in there. Some which I created, a lot that already came came with it. So. Uh, you do have the ability to make your own comments. Uh, however, this takes it another step because it also allows us to add text and voice comments. And my favorite thing is voice comments because I have these big bear paws as hands, okay? It takes me a long time. When I go to try to click on something, my hands get in the way. When I go to try to type, I'm typing the E, I hit the W and the S at the same time, all right? It's a blessing, it's a curse, whatever. But I'm telling you what, uh, with e-comments, I'm able to use my voice, 
And it's really something that motivates the students because they don't want to hear my voice. I don't want to hear my voice sometimes, but they really don't want to hear my voice telling, giving them feedback. So, you know, they keep it clean and they, they work hard. Yeah. E-comments for me, it's kind of like checkmark is, but just on steroids, it just pumps it up to the next level. There's tons of additional options in there. So really great for quick feedback. And I think we've also got to mention here, Google Keep, Google Keep, which just has so many uses in this context up next to the Google Doc you're reading for a student, there's like a little taskbar, like a window pane with images and text and different things that you can drag and drop over into that Google Doc. So you can sort of preload in your Google Keep images, maybe some stickers that provide certain feedback or get really fancy some rubric comments that you've written and turned into an image so that you can just drag that rubric over into their document and you've got sort of what looks like personalized feedback for them uh, really just in seconds just a click and a drag so my favorite part with that is uh go online download a scratch and sniff sticker and push out all the grades at the same time at the beginning of class and see how many students actually scratch their screen and sniff it some will do it well the thing is is a lot of our students now they don't remember scratch and sniff yeah, yeah. all right they're not as pop stickers aren't as popular now with the student papers at least not at the middle and high school so just see what happens it's kind of a cool thing so imagine now a student has chosen one method to access new information in the outer ring they've tested their knowledge they didn't quite get it they went back to the outer ring they used another one of the options to access the information um, they've went back to the formative assessment ring tested themselves again they feel like they get it what phase do they move in now to wrap up this whole process it's the summative assessment and this is how we show or how the students show that they have harnessed the skills and to meet a standard or a set of standards sometimes it's going to be more than one and that's okay so summative assessments can be your traditional test and each question is focusing on a different standard so you might have three multiple choice questions that meets a standard a short answer question that meets the standard or an essay that meets the standard and if they get them all correct they they show that they know that standard or say you know in this test it happens for three more standards same thing so that that is your traditional if you want to keep those testing methods in you can but also summative assessment deals with these uh projects whether they're collaborative or independent projects it could be a portfolio it could be, it could be several things which we'll get into in a second but this whole summative process is based on rubrics and basically our four is our advanced understanding on the target goal our three meets the goal the two approaches the target goal and the one means that the student does not meet the target goal my favorite thing about this whole thing is that even here in this summative assessment phase where in your traditional classroom it's just a test or maybe a project at the end, but it's just that one thing. Okay, class, we're doing this. But here in the targeted learning choice board, as they move to that bottom, you know, those lower levels, the summative assessment levels, they've got options there too. There may be a traditional test or quiz for students that feel they can, you know, uh, show their, their understanding well in that scenario. But there's also an option for them to do a written work, an option for projects. And the written work and the projects, of course, all with that one, two, three, four rubric level that kind of shows them maybe where they're at in this progression rather than just this one choice for traditional uh, test taking. One thing about this this level, and usually I give no more than three choices. 
once you start giving more than three choices on that choice board per level, students take a whole period to figure out which choice they're going to select because they investigate. They want to figure out which one's the easiest or they want to see which one motivates, you know, if they're working in a group, which one motivates most of the group versus another one. I always like to make my third box come up with your own or let's talk or something like that because a lot of times if students grab something that they really want to do for this project it's going to be a lot better and more in depth and more included than anything that i offer them at the beginning so this is the only one that i like to do this for sometimes research you could do it there formative assessment i i wouldn't offer that there but i would always offer you know let's talk or come up with your own uh, just as long as you get it approved by the teacher sure and there's a lot of great uh, tech out there for when you're making the rubric that your students are going to use things online like rubric maker a uh, quick rubric and of course we already mentioned google keep where you can turn that rubric into an image and eat maybe different images for different scores so you can really quickly sort of quick and easily drag those rubric scores into the student document and even even here at this summative phase maybe more than anywhere else there's so much great ed tech that can kind of help uh, bring these different options to light for your students if you're doing a traditional test or quiz even there you could use a google form to make that test or quiz only this time the score counts in some way if you're doing a portfolio where they sort of gather and show the different ways that they've learned you can have them build a digital portfolio where the different things that they've made are present on a Google Sites or maybe Weebly, just two different options for building a website where the students can put the stuff that they know. I even thought you could open up a student wakelet board where they bring in different resources that they've created and drop them into the wakelet. That also opens it up for review by the rest of the class. Could be pretty cool. Maybe you want your students to do a presentation as one option. So they build some Google Slides, a PowerPoint, make it professional with Prezi or go to Slides Carnival to make sure it looks really good. Uh, eMaze is another one that we've talked about for really exciting, really professional looking presentations. You can have them build an ebook. Uh, there's Google Slides. That would probably be the easiest way to do that. When you make your slides, of course, you publish it as a PDF. Uh, Book Creator is another one. Also, just have them do a screencast. Take the slides that they've put together and record it with their voices talking over top. Post online. Of course, with screencasts, you've got Screencastify. Screencast-O-Matic and Loom is probably three of the top players there. So even in this summative phase, there's so many great options and tech plays such a powerful role there. What did we miss in this, guys? Anything or does that pretty much wrap up targeted learning? I think that wraps it up. I mean, just remember that this is a progression that works for standardized-based uh, learning, standards-based learning. Uh, it starts with doing research after you already have a baseline knowledge of where the, each student stands. They do research. Uh, once they graduate from the research phase, they think they know enough. They go into the formative assessment, and this could there could be several formative assessments, and those are just practice activities. One thing I can't express, uh, express more is please think about whether you want to give them an actual grade that goes in a grade book. If you're trying to do uh, standards-based learning in a traditional classroom, it can be done. But formative assessment, remember, you're asking them to practice, and, and to give them a grade on a on a practice is, is weird to me. I'll put it in this this way you're uh you go to a votech school and you're in auto shop and they show you how to change the oil 
of a car for the very first time. Never done it before. All right? And the teacher is watching the student practice doing the oil change on not a car, but like on a setup, a model or something like that. And the student keeps practicing and practicing and practicing, but the teacher is giving him a grade every single time he does it or her grade every single time she does it. All right? That doesn't really make too much sense to me because they're they're supposed to practice. They're not going to be a professional the first time they do it, all right? But then in the summative phase, then they have that actual testing phase where they're doing it on a car and the teacher watches them do it there all right there's where your your grade comes in there's where you measure the standard you just the formative is where you just want to show them hey this is where you can improve real quick this is what you already have down summative is what we want to look at otherwise we're going to have 17,000 grades per quarter and really if you grade that much and you're putting it into the grade book that makes the feedback portion, that's probably where you're going to shortchange it. And that's the most important part of this whole thing is the feedback. And my favorite part about all this is bringing that choice board element, options, 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 the whole way. Not too many, like we talked about, sort of cap it at three options per level. But that sort of just brings the student ownership of a choice board into this. The differentiation of a choice board comes into this too. And I think in doing that, we've got a really, really powerful learning tool here that our students are going to benefit a lot from. And I think the teachers will also. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.